Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I wonder what for you brings about an awareness of God. A glorious sunset maybe, a vista of breathtaking beauty, a clear night sky full of stars, the tangible peace of an ancient place of worship perhaps. Something in us naturally associates God with elevated places or scenes of pristine or enduring beauty. We want a deity who can lift us above the mundane, ordinary world. Perhaps that's why we treasure our churches. Stepping into them gives us a sense of leaving our compromised everyday lives behind and entering a wholly different world. No wonder we're anxious to get back to them. It's not just that we're missing our friends. We feel, like Job, that we've been sitting on an ash heap for too long and we long for a taste of the transcendent. But today's Gospel may have something to say to us about that. For the past couple of weeks, we have been listening to Jesus telling stories to describe what the Kingdom of Heaven is like. It is like a man who scatters seeds anywhere and everywhere. It is like a field of wheat that gets infested with weeds. And today, one image after another flashes past like views through a train window. We can hardly take in one image before Jesus is on to the next. The kingdom of heaven is like this, and this, and this, oh, and that too. No explanations are given, no time allowed for questions. It is as if Jesus wants us to be dazzled by the sheer variety of the things that the kingdom of heaven is like. And, as is always the way when Jesus is talking, there are surprises in store. The kingdom of heaven is compared to a seed that becomes a tree, a woman baking bread, a man digging a field, a merchant making a deal, and a fishing net thrown into the sea. All everyday sights at the time. Rather than use lofty, abstract language to tell us what God is like, Jesus holds up familiar, ordinary things and invites us to see them as holy things that show us God. This is the first inkling we may not need to look as far as we thought to find God's presence. Jesus's first two images the seed that grows into a tree and the yeast that makes dough rise seem easy enough to grasp. The kingdom may not look impressive from the outside, but it is an active agent that transforms the littleness of what we are and what we have into abundance. But what escapes our notice is that this type of tree is not a rare and desirable horticultural specimen, but a nuisance that grows everywhere, like buddleia along a railway line or sprouting from cracks in derelict buildings. Jesus was most likely speaking about Salvadora persica, which has a mustard-like flavour and which quickly grows into a large tree. The Roman naturalist, Pliny the Elder said of it 
that while it was extremely beneficial for the health, once it has been sown, it is scarcely possible to get the place free of it, as the seed, when it falls, germinates at once. This changes things dramatically. The kingdom is compared to an invasive plant, like ground elder or Japanese knotweed, which, as any gardener will tell you, are all but impossible to eradicate. The tree also attracts birds. While we welcome them to our gardens, they are pests where crops are grown. Flocks of birds, such as Jesus describes, could destroy a whole field. On this interpretation, the kingdom unsettles and disrupts our neat ideas of how the world, or the church, should work. And nothing can hold it back, no matter how hard anyone tries. It offers shelter to outsiders and outcasts, which is good news for those that our systems exclude. And like the labourer finding buried treasure in the field and the merchant trading all he had for one fine pearl, they too will find real treasure. Jesus suggests that the ordinary things of our lives are the places to look for the life and presence of God. And if we do not find them here, we will not find them anywhere else. All this sounds exciting, and maybe you can't wait to find out what will reveal the kingdom to you this week. But Jesus' final parable of the fishing net full of good and bad fish addresses the problematic question that hangs over everything, a question we are particularly conscious of at the moment. If God's presence pervades everyday life, why does evil persist? The answer offered by the parable is simply because it does. Edible, that is good, and inedible, that is bad, fish, all swim together in the same sea and are caught in the same net. Good and evil exist side by side, but will not do so forever. The parable both assures and warns that God will one day separate them. It is for God alone to decide what is good and what is evil. Our work is to learn to live with the way things are until that great future sort out, when we hope that we might be freed from what is unworthy about us, for good and evil also contend with each other in us. Our reading from Paul's letter to the Romans lists some of evil's manifestations, hardship, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, Peril, sword. Paul wasn't speaking in parables. All these things were being experienced by Christians in Rome whose faith set them at odds with the authorities. And they are happening today in China and elsewhere. Paul himself had suffered these things, yet they drew from him one of the most profound and beautiful statements of faith 
to be found anywhere in Scripture, that nothing but nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. These are the words spoken at the beginning of funerals, a declaration of life in the face of death. Even the things we fear can be portals to God's presence. In the topsy-turvy world of the parables, all things are capable of showing us more of what God is like. So enjoy the sunsets and the vistas and the nights of stargazing, but don't forget to look around as well as up, because weeds and seeds, birds and fish, ordinary people going about their work may also reveal God's glory to us. And who knows, by God's grace, even we may become walking parables of his mercy and love for someone this week. May it be so. Amen. <laughs>